Hello, and welcome to Public Key, the podcast from Chainalysis. This is your host, Ian Andrews. Our focus on the Asia-Pacific region continues this week with my guest, Javon Tulsiani, the head of marketing at Tezos APAC. Tezos is one of the more popular blockchain ecosystems in the region, so we get an insider perspective into the factors driving the grassroots adoption among artists, developers, and founders. It seems many are attracted to the low fee structure and the community of like-minded users who've found a home on the chain. Javon explains the thinking behind Tezos' big brand partnerships with the English Football Club, Manchester United, and the Formula One racing team, McLaren. We also talk about some of the innovation happening on the Tezos chain as they build toward a goal of supporting a million transactions per second across a diverse ecosystem of NFT, DeFi, and gaming use cases. Last thing before we jump in, if you weren't able to join me at Lynx Europe last month, then I have great news for you. The on-demand content from the event, including all new solution demos and the best talks from Amsterdam, is now available. You can find the link in the show notes. Today I'm joined by Javon Tulsiani, Head of Marketing for Tezos APAC. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I've been a big fan. Well, I love hearing that. Having uh, having fans on the show warms my heart. I always jokingly believe that uh, nobody actually listens to this besides me and Steven. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think probably everybody listening to this has heard of Tezos. Tezos or Tezos? Yeah, it's quite interchangeable, to be honest. So okay. Some say Tezos, some say Tezos. Okay. Um, Tezos rolls uh, much quicker off my lips. So that's what I yeah. usually say. Tezos. All right. Launched in 2017, or at least that's when the the uh, the ICO happened. Catch us up. Like, what's been happening over the last few years, particularly the more recent history? I know a lot of technical engineering work has gone into the blockchain, but I'm kind of curious, like, where does it fit in the, the overall cryptocurrency ecosystem? How are people using it? Maybe just a high-level overview to get us all started. Absolutely. So you can call Tezos a pioneering layer one proof-of-stake blockchain. It was one of the first, I would say. And in terms of what Tezos is associated with it's a innovative and affordable and community driven entry point for a lot of people who want to get into blockchain so let me give you an example so last year when the borders started to open up here in southeast asia i made my my first trip to uh, indonesia after a couple of years and you know i was just hanging out with the nft artist community in jakarta the capital city of indonesia i was meeting people in person for the first time so i asked this music producer called scoot beat they create music on tezos and uh, you know i asked him i was like you know what's the sentiment on the ground like and he said jivan you know what over the past two years has especially in 2021, Tezos was the opening door for artists looking to create NFTs, looking to create art on the blockchain. Why? Because back then, obviously, uh, Ethereum was still operated in a proof-of-work model. So Tezos was a more affordable option. And for every sub-community in the arts domain, there would be a lot of people in the community. So in the photography community, it would be very vibrant. People committing photos on, on Tezos. The music is very strong community. So it's like one of the best entry points you can have into the blockchain, if I can summarize it well. This is a really interesting point. I'm a big fan of these grassroots adoption stories. So when you say, sorry, the artist that you mentioned there, what was his name again? Scootbeat. His name is Imam, but he's, yeah. he's so he and his friends, they make up uh, Scootbeat, S-E-K-U-D-B-E-A-T. They create awesome. music on uh, object.com. Okay. When you say he's creating music on the chain, like what does that actually mean practically? Is that an NFT that links out to a song or is it is it something else entirely? It's the song proper. Yeah. And so it's, the song is now stored on the blockchain. It's transactable. Like I can buy it. I can send it to somebody else. 
Exactly, exactly. Spot on. Very cool. And so they, they, they're also really innovative, you know, like they, they created one for the Indonesia Independence Day. They, they create like a, a special song that's deep in the history of Indonesia as well. I think most artists today, you know, I hear them like, oh yeah, I have a SoundCloud, I have a Spotify, like I can, you know, it's all streaming platforms. Like for an artist, this group that you just mentioned, like what's the advantage for them being on Tezos? I would say number one, it's very affordable and it's been yeah. affordable since the start. So obviously mm. after the merge, Ethereum is, is operating at proof of stake at the moment. But Tezos was doing this from day one. So because of that as well, there's been a very strong organic community, I would say, Ian. When you create any piece of art on Tezos, there are very strong communities that you can bounce ideas off. There are very strong communities that you can be like, hey, you know, get me a shout out. Or collaboration. There's a lot of collaboration that, ha- that happens between artists, not only in the same country, but also throughout the region so i would say that it's really cool you know it's really really cool you can call it like the cool blockchain you know where where, where you know people who want to innovate people who want to try something new who want to have a, a strong community behind them Tezos is the place to be that's fascinating i'm curious maybe rewinding a little bit like how did you get into this you've been in a variety of marketing roles earlier in your career i was doing a little linkedin stalking before the interview tell us about your story you know how you found yourself in the world of crypto and, and ultimately working at tezos so basically, I have had experience in the military. I've had experience in uh, sports, in deep tech. And then before before I joined the Tezos ecosystem, I was at, a, at an edutech startup called Tiger Hall for two and a half years. So basically, I want to get involved in all the hottest and the most promising areas. In 2017, I worked a lot with AI and robotics. This was the time where there were very strong conversations on like, oh no, ro- robots are going to you know take my jobs. And uh, AI was picking up pace as well. I know right now it's on a different level because of of, uh, chat GPT. But back then, AI and data analytics, these topics were, were big on people's mind as well. So I wanted to be at the at the forefront, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to be able to shift mindsets and tell people, hey, robots are not here to take your jobs. Robots are here to complement things. So I got introduced to blockchain by my brother. So he, he is a crypto native. I'm actually not a crypto native, to be very honest with you. So um, as a family, we got our first MAYC. He really brought us into the world of blockchain, you know, he, he explained it really, really well to me. And you know what? He's also uh, got my dad into nfts and stuff like oh, that oh boy <laughs> yeah. so then i i obviously you know did more research and felt that this was obviously the market was much more vibrant this was in 2021 i started early 2022 so conversation started at the last quarter of 2021 and uh, did a lot of research to see like you know the benefits of blockchain and then i also saw that you know crypto there's a lot of mindset shift that needed to happen because the new cycle kept being dominated by price changes and and you know market shifts and stuff like that so inside my circle of family i saw that some people still found it difficult to understand what nfts are and stuff like that so i thought that coming in marketing for tzapac it allowed me to be at the forefront of a layer one proof of stake blockchain and it can also put me in a position to be able to shift mindsets and convince people of the benefits of blockchain that's neat as i was researching the episode a little bit diving into what sets tezos apart from other layer ones that are out there the one that really stood out to me is this concept of self-amending and i have to admit i think i kind of get it at a surface level like oh yeah you can upgrade without having to create these forks that uh you might lose half your validators like we've seen in other blockchains over the years how does that actually work in practice you guys just went through a pretty big upgrade right recently with the the mumbai upgrade which i think ultimately ultimately unlocks like much higher transaction processing speed. How does that work without centralized control? Maybe walk us through what this self-amending trick actually is. Yeah, exactly. So it's really at the core of how the Tesla's platform was built. I mean, it was built with 
mechanisms that basically ensures that there's active community governments and participation. You spoke about how do you maintain decentralization. Now, active community governments and participation, these are key components of Web3. It's the essence of Web3, essentially. So what this means is that users can actively participate by evaluating, proposing, and approving amendments to Tezos. So how this benefits you know, the blockchain, basically, is that it empowers the type of collaborative innovation that Tezos has established as you know being on the bleeding edge of technology. Technology. So it's actually put Tezos at the forefront of the whole blockchain ecosystem because if you look at the kind of brands that are building on Tezos that have partnered with Tezos, for example, that's a very good example. So the governance and participation, you know, getting active community governance, that's very, very important. It's interesting when we at Chainalysis, every year we publish this crypto adoption index, which tries to look at grassroots adoption. And interestingly, you know, seven out of the top 10 countries are in the APAC region, you know, including Vietnam, Philippines, and, and China. I mean, you're on the ground in Singapore, and I think you get to travel around the region quite a bit. What's your take on why is there such a, an appetite for crypto? You know, what do you think is actually driving that, that level of adoption? So first and foremost, I would say it's grassroots. You are, you are absolutely right. Grassroots adoption is, is really, really strong. If you look at Indonesia, for example, which in the, the chain analysis list, for example, is top 20 in the 2022 study that your team did. Let's look at Indonesia. Now, for example, we ran a campaign on the Independence Day for Indonesia last August. So we did a campaign to highlight 17 artists from 17 cities on 17 August. And Ian, the beautiful thing about this campaign is that the artist list was not dominated by the main cities like Jakarta and Surabaya, Bali. No, in fact, it was spread across the archipelago. So from Java Island to the Sumatra Island, it was spread across the archipelago and they were from hill stations. They were from the rural areas as well. So basically like worldwide, whenever you talk to somebody about Indonesia, they're like, oh, Bali? <laughs> but it's such a vast, beautiful country. And you see artists from these places using NFTs. That's how far it's gone. That's how deep NFT adoption is in, in Indonesia. So I would say that that's something that we see a lot in the Philippines as well, in Thailand as well. So Thailand is, is uh, correct me if I'm wrong, number two. Vietnam yeah. is number one. Thailand is number yeah. two. I think Vietnam was top. Philippines maybe uh, second behind that. But Thailand was up there for sure. Thailand is top 10 as well. So it's great. So that, that's what happens on, on a grassroots level. And then what happens after that is that a lot of business opportunities get created. For example, if you look at DZ APEC, we run an incubator program that incubates startups. They go through a three-month program where they go through mentorship, they go through workshops, they go through masterclasses. And then we see the kind of businesses that have joined our incubator program. And a lot of business opportunities are being created because of grassroots adoption. Now, if you look at GasPack, for example, one of the businesses that are being incubated in cohort two of the incubator, they are here to make NFT adoption easier. So how can you bridge the artists operating on the grassroots with brands that are wanting to get into Web3 and wanting to engage their customers? And that's exactly the same that Hyperglade in Sri Lanka is doing as well. So I would say that grassroots adoption, in addition to the spirit of Web3 entrepreneurship that we are seeing in Asia, and then you couple that with increased interest in investors as well, increased deals, increased number of deals with investors backing these startups as well. It's a killer combination, Ian. It's really interesting to follow. One of the things that got me pretty excited is some of the partnerships 
that I think your team gets to work on. Some of my favorite things like Formula One with McLaren and Premier League football like Man United. And before we start taping, you mentioned the Rugby Sevens involvement that you all have. How do you think about your role leading marketing for Tezos? And and is that crossover into all these big brands? Like how, how does all that work? What's your strategy there? Why do those make sense for the chain, you know, in terms of the sponsorships that you have in place? I mean, first and foremost, these partnerships were, were driven by my, my colleagues in, in the global offices. So my role as head of marketing for TZ APEC is to amplify and to use these partnerships basically to you know grow our community for, for adoption of Tezos. I would say that first and foremost, it's definitely validation because if you look at the crux of sports sponsorships, one of the main features of a sports sponsorship and, and the reason why brands partners with other brands and why brands invest in sports sponsorships, the most powerful thing is a brand association. So... If you look at um, some of the names that you just mentioned, McLaren, for example, McLaren has is a household name in racing. They've always been known for their innovation. And that's the same as same as Tezos as well. So there's a lot of mutual brand messaging, I would say. And then you look at Manchester United, the top two most successful football clubs in England, one of the most successful football clubs in the world. And then you, you are working with another pioneer in the space, but this time a, a pioneering layer one proof of stake blockchain in Tezos. So it's it's great validation because it's it's all brand association. You're, you're being associated with these very strong brands and they are also being associated with a strong brand in Tezos. Branding wise, it's a very good fit, I would say. Now I put put on my marketing hat, even as you requested, and I see first and foremost, how can we use this? So for me, sports is a vehicle for me to shift mindset. So, you know, whenever you, you try to speak about NFTs to non-crypto natives, you need some support. Because when something is new to human beings, the first thing they do is feel uncertain. The second thing they do is develop doubts. So when you have their favorite teams or you have their favorite sports being associated with NFTs, then they're like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love Formula 1. I've watched Drive to Survive. Uh, yeah. I know McLaren. I know Lando Norris. I know Oscar Piastri. And these guys are speaking about NFTs. So why don't we get involved? So last year during the Singapore Grand Prix, there was a very nice NFT campaign, Asia-focused NFT campaign that we did with the McLaren mascot. It was really really cool and uh, you know people got to get involved with nfts and we built a proper story around it and the main thing ian that we wanted to drive was utility so you know with that drop if you mean maybe a couple you'll get some benefits and these benefits usually are access that you don't get usually so whether it be a zoom call with the team whether it be tickets to a race so the utility aspect of, of things is very, very important and very nice to help a community, especially the non-crypto native folks, to get involved with NFTs that way. It just makes it more interesting. It makes things more engaging and it makes things more interactive, I would say. You definitely got my interest when you said that uh, there were tickets available. <laughs> in one of these NFTs. I'm, I'm in for that. Uh, <laughs> we've touched on NFTs a lot. It seems like Tezos is really focused on NFTs, right? Whether that's music or art or some of these utility NFTs. Is that by design or has that just been where the community interest has been? Like, what's your take on that? So Tezos, honestly, use cases range from NFTs to gaming to DeFi. In our incubator at the moment, we are focusing on three main tracks. So we are focusing on NFTs, we are focusing on DeFi, and we're focusing on gaming. Now, there are obviously reasons why NFTs, in terms of Tezos, NFTs dominate 
maybe the new cycle. The reason is because we're seeing the grassroots adoption with regards to NFTs, it's growing. And what that means is that, you know, you mentioned McLaren, you mentioned Manchester United, but even small and big enterprises in Asia are adopting NFTs because of the grassroots power, the grassroots adoption that we are seeing. So for example, if you go to Manila, the Kaluka neighbor in, neighborhood in Manila, there's a 24th Barbers, there's a barber shop that creates NFTs on Tezos and tells his customers that, hey, you know, get involved in NFTs with us, we'll upgrade your package. So, you know, you can enjoy more, more services. And then you have Harian Kompas, which is the biggest newspaper in Indonesia that created its NFTs in light of its anniversary. So it took out the best photos from its archives and minted it on Tezos. And people who buy these NFTs, they get free merchandise and they also get to keep a piece of Indonesian history through that. So there's a lot of use cases like that that happen. And then a lot of publicity gets driven a lot through all this, Ian. But I would say that, you know, if you go on to the TZ APEC Content Hub, you'll see a lot of businesses building really cool dApps, really cool uh, games as well on Tezos. So it's a very wide range of use cases that you can see in Tezos ecosystem for sure in Asia. Perfect. We'll link to that in the show notes so people can go check it out. Earlier, we mentioned the buy upgrade. This looked like a big project. The headline feature was a million transactions per second, which I haven't benchmarked Ethereum or Bitcoin lately, but it's a lot more than either of those can do maybe even combined. I think the comparison statistic that stuck out for me was a million transactions per second would enable you to run all the global payment processing networks on the chain simultaneously. That sounds fantastical to me, I have to admit. I haven't seen anybody else in the blockchain space actually deliver on this. So talk to us a little bit about like what's been done there. Is this available right now? I think the upgrade completed in March, but there's still work to get to the million transactions a second, if I read correctly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that it's it's a big step in the right direction because yeah. So Mumbai is also introducing smart rollups, which okay, is like a new layer two scaling solution that's that's built directly into the protocol. And um, so let, let's talk about um, building. Let's talk about about developers. You know, like like what's in it for them or, or enterprises or, or whoever. Let, let's talk about the use case side of things. Smart rollups also they they enable DApps. So for those who are unsure what DApps are, it's decentralized applications. So you can benefit from the own dedicated hardware resources you know if you want to process high amount of transactions like you mentioned but the beauty is that you can still guarantee the integrity and security of the smart rollup because of this approach that's how it worked towards the milestone of 1 million transactions per second in in 2023 without sacrificing digitalization which i told you at the start of the our conversation is the ethos of Tezos basically. And then if you want to dive and do a little bit deeper, a lot of very exciting technical features also like fully decentralized and open interactive fraud proofs, guarantee rollup security and integrity. And you know, WASM as well, for those who are not very familiar, WebAssembly execution environment. So this allows for flexible development of a wide range of apps. So at once rollup features as well that you know simplify interactions like broadcasting from layer one to all rollups, calling layer one smart contract from layer two or transferring assets across the different layers. So there's really a lot of exciting features that are being introduced with Mumbai. You obviously get to interact with a lot of the communities on the ground all across the the APAC region. I'm curious, outside of your own project, what is getting you excited these days? What have you seen out there that's new and interesting or innovative that you're really looking forward to uh, maybe coming out this year? 
So for me, what I feel is going to be biggest. I really respect Web3 builders or Web3 entrepreneurs trying to make it easier for people to adopt NFTs. I'm talking about institutions. I'm talking about art fairs. If you're talking about NFTs, if you, I'm talking about the end users like non-crypto natives as well. So I, I like I like what Akasop is doing. So they are a Taiwan-based startup that's basically trying to make things very easy for institutions to engage their customers and engage their fans on all things blockchain so for example if somebody wants to do nfts for example it's very easy for them to do it in the akaswap platform and also if they want to get involved in the metaverse there's akaverse as well that's very easy to get in and so i'm very very uh, excited about about akaswap and and the work that they're doing and then i would also say that hyperglade from sri lanka is also doing uh, very very exciting things and some very exciting games are also coming out there is a game that i really like it's incorporating a lot of history it's called a tanaji T-A-N-H-A-J-I. So they are based out of India and Tanaji is basically a, a warrior in India. So it's a good chance to play an exciting game and also get involved and be more aware of the country's history as well. So yeah, these are some of the exciting startups that have caught my eye recently. That game sounds fun. I'd love to play that. Well, yeah. hey, just one last question to wrap up. I mean, from a perspective of Tezos globally or in the region, like what's coming out this year that we should all be looking forward to? So I would say that our incubator programs are very, very exciting. So cohort one has just started. Let me just recap, you know, startups, they get incubated. They go through a lot of masterclasses and workshops to learn directly from leaders. They get personal mentorship sessions. They get attached to a mentor as well to, to guide them through the journey. At the end of this whole three months program, they get to do a demo day where, you know, we get a lot of VCs in a room and they get to pitch and the founders that get to pitch their ideas to VCs. So yeah, we help them with access to VCs and we help them with a lot of uh, insights and stuff like that. So core two is happening. Core three is going to happen later this year. So any entrepreneurs looking to build Web3 startups or are building a Web3 startup, even if you're more mature stage and you want to explore, you want to join the Tezos ecosystem, the very vibrant Tezos ecosystem, this is something that can really, really help you. And if there are a lot of investors as well who are listening to the podcast, if you want to um, explore and improve your, your deal flow with like some really really exciting startups across gaming DeFi, and nfts definitely check out the incubator you know i would love to have you guys in the demo day and you know you guys can meet the founders there directly as well that sounds exciting i love it great place to wrap thanks so much for joining us on the podcast terrific guest looking forward to seeing more of tezos in the coming year pleasures my even hey there thanks for listening to another episode our team's been working hard to make our content available on all the major platforms So do me a favor, right now, take out your phone, head over to your favorite social media app. If you like, you can subscribe to our new TikTok, our revamped YouTube. You can sign up for our LinkedIn newsletter. And of course, follow us on Twitter or Telegram. Just search for at Chainalysis. As you may have noticed, Public Key over the last few weeks has had an APAC focus, which is aligned with the month of May being the Asian Pacific American Heritage Month across the United States. And as part of Chainalysis observance of this month, we link in the show notes to commentary for two of my colleagues, Pradama Arora, our Chief Product Officer, and Rakib Azad, our Senior Vice President of Finance, as they speak to their career development, personal experiences, and influences that have shaped them into the successful leaders they are today.